0: Hello, and welcome to this edition of the EV Revolution Show audio podcast. With your host, Kenneth Bocor. This is episode 35, recorded on February 9th, 2022. This episode of the EV Revolution Show is sponsored by File Sanctuary. Need a great web host for your business? Need to get email at yourdomain.com? They provide professional, feature-rich web and email hosting for any project you have in mind. Get started today at filesanctuary.net forward slash cloud and save 10% with promo code EVREVSHOW. All right, and welcome to this edition of the EV Revolution Show audio podcast. As you heard, my name is Kenneth Bocour, your host. Uh, I'm very excited and stoked. As you folks know, I always try to find out what's going on in the EV marketplace, not just you know, a new new vehicle coming out and the traditional stuff, but all the other businesses and angles to this marketplace that are, that are gonna help drive the yardsticks for EV adoption forward. And I'm super stoked to have the CEO of a company called Storedot, the CEO, Dr. Doran Meyersdorf. Uh, good afternoon, your time. How are you, sir?
1: Very good. Yes, it's 4 p.m. here, um, That's good it.
0: morning to you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm based in Toronto, and you're out in Israel, so hopefully you're having a nice, sunny, warm day.
1: It is. Uh, it was sunny, but uh, they said it's going to rain, which is you know, pretty rare here, so we're waiting for the rain.
0: So take it while you can get it. Well, thanks again for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Um, I think you know, this is important, what you guys are doing in the EV marketplace, and to, to set some background for my listeners... Um, StoreDot is a, an organization that's a pioneer and leader in the what you're calling the extreme fast charging, or the XFC. It sounds like some kind of fight league or whatever, but <laughs> we won't go down there. Uh, fast charging batteries, uh, really, that um, you've revolutionized uh, conventional lithium-ion batteries to make it possible to charge an EV in just five minutes. And obviously, that's one of the golden carrots that are out there, you know, for EV adoption is. Uh, bringing that um, fueling, quote unquote, experience that uh, we we experienced with petrol for the last 100 plus years down to and for EV charging to bring it more to, closer in line with that experience and to help spur EV adoption. Um, you guys have strategic investors and in partnerships uh with uh, bp uh daimler samsung ventures tdk and more recently vinfast and and my listeners and viewers know i'm pretty stoked on vinfast i've provided some good coverage on them already and i'm looking forward to them entering the the global market space as they're going after quite aggressively so let's start off maybe if i can ask you to talk a little bit about the company about you know uh, where you guys have come from and what your where your vision is that you see um moving those AVR sticks forward.
1: So uh, thank you. Uh, great introduction. Stodot is a startup in Israel. We are 120 people in Herzliya. which is just uh, 20 minutes uh, north of Tel Aviv. Um, we are um, uh, scientists. So we have uh, like 35 PhDs uh, out of wow. 120 people. Uh, uh, these are like two faculties of uh, let's say MIT, right? Working on one problem. And the problem is exactly what you said. We need the experience of the driver to be exactly like fueling, only without the fumes, right? Mm-hmm. So what we do is we replaced some key elements in the traditional lithium ion battery. And we work on a novel chemistry that would enable uh, the high power charging. Uh, so, you know, think about, you know the Nobel Prize in chemistry 2019, good enough at all. They basically showed, and, and the whole world is, is, is using it uh, today for the last, I'd say, 10, 15 years. Everybody's using lithium ion batteries mm-hmm. because you can take the ions of the lithium and store them in an active material, which is graphite. Now, graphite uh, has a lot of advantages. It's relatively cheap, it's, uh, it's abundant, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's easy to, uh, to mine. The problem is that you cannot really charge fast. Mm -hmm. Uh, the graphite because if it's structure that is very uh, uh, stable and you need to have the ions really sitting in queue very patiently before getting into the, uh, let's say bookshelf structure of of the graphite. So what StorDot is doing is actually challenging uh, this traditional uh, material that is used in the anode which is the negative side of the battery Mm -hmm. and we are replacing it with the silicone. Now it's not only silicon, we combine the nanotechnology of the silicon with some organic chemistry and some proprietary compounds that we synthesize, you know, very similar to what you would do in a pharmaceutical company or some small molecule synthesis in, in chemistry. And on top of that, we have a layer of AI, artificial intelligence and some data science, machine learning that helps us you know, understand all the uh, results of the thousands of experiments uh, that, uh, that we have to go through. Uh, in order to identify the right formulation that would enable the fast charging. Mm -hmm. But it's important to understand that this was really considered impossible to do. Uh, When we started about 10 years ago and I was saying five minute charging, people looked at me like, you know, I have no clue what I'm talking about. (laughs) Today, you won't find one company that is doing batteries and doesn't say that, you know, it's gonna have five minute charging eventually. So uh, it's a race. It will happen. It's already happening. Uh, and the experience of the driver will be amazing. But it, for real five minutes full charge, it will take about a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are starting what, with what we call in five, which means 100 miles in five minutes of charging. Mm-hmm. That's our first product. It's already in testing with some of uh, the major OEMs, including, of course, Vinfast, Daimler and, and the likes. Uh, because it is uh, a, a great step forward. From uh, It's a 50% reduction. Mm-hmm. on the charging times that, that are known today, including Teslas and, and et cetera.
0: Exactly. Um, so and now I know that you tested this back in, I believe, 2019 on a two-wheel version. So you were actually be- being able to prove this concept out in its viability, correct?
1: Exactly. Uh, we We demonstrated together with another key investor, by the way, BP, British Petroleum, in London, we did live demonstration of a uh, scooter charging in five minutes, fully charging. So it can go uh, about hundred kilometers. Uh, and and the, the reason that I wanted to do that is again, to make the point, to prove the point that really there, uh, this is a possible, uh, feasible solution that everybody should align the infrastructure, the grid, the cooling, everything needs to be aligned in order to take advantage. Of the possibility to really charge a vehicle in five minutes. Now, most people don't understand, and this is I I'll try to make it clear that it doesn't really matter if you charge a smartphone or a drone or a scooter or a sedan or a truck or a semi-trailer. It doesn't matter if you have the right chemistry, assuming you have the right charging station, meaning sufficient power. You know, for the phone, it's just bigger charger. For the vehicle, it's just a small powerful charging station. We are looking at, let's say, 350 kilowatt plus, uh, even half a megawatt, even more, in order to charge, let's say, a Tesla in five minutes. Uh, So so the infrastructure needs to be in place, but the chemistry that we develop, and this is why when we demonstrate it on a scooter or on a drone or even on a phone, it demonstrates the capability of, of our chemistry to really take the power in a short time, which is minutes instead of hours, and that's and that's the big breakthrough that was considered impossible to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, you know, certainly a fact that all the battery manufacturers are striving for the same goals. I mean, uh, you know, at solid state that again is potentially an area that that they think that you know could again advance these technologies and the, the time frame that you mentioned as well. Um, obviously. I know the, the chemistry is proprietary and you're working on different formulas, but are you also uh, doing some testing on these for multiple, multiple weather environments? So, you know, the most common question I get here because I'm in Canada is, Hey, we get minus four, minus 40 Centigrade. And, you know, the batteries lose 40% of their of uh, their energy, uh, the, their capability to deliver that charge um, because of those temperatures. That's just physics. Is there anything yeah. that overcomes that with uh, these type of solutions?
1: Yeah, so this is like a key, uh, I would say, pitfall of uh, any liquid electrolyte that once it's, it freezes, really you lose the efficiency and, and the ions have much higher resistance to move. Uh, and this is why solid state is a great promise in, in, in the sense of, of uh, low temperatures uh, and, and, and extreme environments. Uh, however, you know, we have a key advantage, and this is when I mentioned the uh, proprietary organic compounds. Because an electrolyte, even, uh, you know, you can think about an antifreeze of uh, of a vehicle, you know, just for for water cooling, you know, with chemistry, with the right ingredients, you can actually manipulate uh, freezing temperature. You can manipulate the resistance uh, and and the electrical uh, properties in extreme uh, temperatures. And this is what we do. And actually our batteries still have issues, but I would say at least twice as better in terms of uh, what you mentioned. For, for minus 20, uh, we lose maybe 10, 15% of the energy. Um, uh, but of course you cannot do the full fast charging when it's freezing. It takes it a little while for the battery to heat up and then the ions can really uh, start flowing. In addition, we, uh, I do believe solid state has, has a lot of benefit uh, down the road. But I think the market as a whole, uh, public markets are overly optimistic about the timeline for solid state. I mean, we've been working uh, on this for a while, and I have a scoop for you. Just today, uh, I didn't show it to Tom yet. Uh, uh, we 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 just uh, uh, produced our first solid-state battery, and we showed that you can actually cut it as it's working because there's uh, and it continues to work uh, because uh, you know there's no liquid electrolyte to spill, and and you continue to get the power out of it. So we are working it, but we understand the challenges. We know it's a long haul. I think 2028 is reasonable to start seeing solid state solutions out there. And we will be there also, but also with fast charging capabilities. Because I don't believe just moving to solid state, uh, the market is something, uh, this is something that the market would want to adopt. Because at the end of the day, if you're not improving charging rates, if you're not improving energy density, so yes, maybe there are some safety features and some extreme temperature features, uh, but it is more expensive, at least at the beginning to uh, build, you know, new factories, new processes, new equipment, Uh, uh, this takes time and money. Uh, And and therefore it will take, I think, at least a decade for solid state batteries to really start replacing the traditional uh, lithium ion. And we have a strategic roadmap that covers all of uh, these technologies from the silicon for extreme fast charging to semi-solid state and then solid state. And and the the way that, uh, we deliver the value is what I told you about the in five. It's actually, so it's a hundred in X. We start with a hundred miles in five minutes, then move to a hundred miles in four minutes. And then eventually with solid state, we will deliver a hundred miles in two minutes. This is the Holy Grail. So really it's a full charge of the vehicle in under five minutes. It will take a decade. And you also need the charging station, the grid, the cooling, the safety, all these things we are actually uh, advocating in parallel to the development of the of the novel technology.
0: Yeah, absolutely it, it, correct, and that's kind of my has been my assumption as well of the market that this is a decade, sometime by the end of this decade, and it, it natural technology leaps and bounds that we've seen. You know the progression. I do tell consumers today that I think we're kind of at a sweet spot right now for uh, for EV adoption. It really, even though I think the early adopter phase is gone, we're starting to get into that more general phase, um, and that it's a good time because 300 miles and 18 to 25 minutes isn't a bad experience either. Right now, uh, I know I can't drive more than. Two to three hours without having to stop. I'm getting older, and you know, a 20 minute stop is not an issue for me to go get a coffee and all that stretch my legs. So uh, I don't see a big deal. But absolutely, you know, for the wider audience that's out there that's looking at potential EV adoption, to have that experience, as you mentioned. Uh, and, and also, correct, we need the infrastructure to be able to, to deliver those type of power. What do you see as a charging station? Are these You mentioned 350, five, and then 500 kilowatts and maybe a megawatt. Is that kind of what you're going to see out there to be able to support these type of technologies?
1: I mean, absolutely. I mean, we do see them already, let's say, for commercial vehicles. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if you have a large truck and it's electric, uh, you know, including what Tesla is is, uh, is preparing for, then you need to get closer to the one uh, megawatt, which was really imaginary just a few years ago. I think we'll see in the next few years mostly three hundred and fifty uh, stations that would enable, let's say, a ten minute charge, uh, full charge of the vehicle, which is roughly you know one hundred and four, one hundred and three. This is what we'll start seeing as as the best performing, and we are trying to align our roadmap with whatever infrastructure is going to be in place. And this is why the relationship with BP is so important, because we can actually join forces and plan the rollout of uh, fast charging. Now, you have to understand also that, you know, for a company like BP or Shell or Mobile, any any of of, of those oil and gas, if they don't have fast charging, I mean, really in minutes, the whole model of the forecourts of of, of the real estate, of the retail of of uh, of charging in let's say in center of London or New York or or Ottawa it it, it just doesn't the, the model collapses you can't have cars sitting there for an hour because you buy coffee for an hour so
0: <laughs> so I like so, coffee yeah. but that's a lot of coffee
1: yeah that's <laughs> a lot of coffee and and uh, so so that 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 has to change and this is why you know strategically we've been uh, working together with uh, our partners in the oil and gas com- uh, companies.
0: Yeah, you make some great points. And for listeners that aren't aware, you know, that is a very large market that it continues to grow where we're seeing the, the major oil uh, providers, pet uh, fuel providers get into that EV charging game in Canada, we have Petro Canada, our national refueler that's that's built a coast to coast fast charging network already across Canada. Uh, because you're absolutely right. Um, if I can't get you buying gas, I'll get you you know charging for 20 minutes. you'll come into the store, you'll buy some higher margin products two dollar coffee, which you know which uh, cost me pennies. and I'll get some business out of you that way. So that's a model that has to work and you're right. It's very volume based, you know turnover based, right? Quick, quick retail settings. So to be able to have that infrastructure to support those fast charging needs, um, I know that some listeners might say, well, what about, you know, the the big thing about the, the more energy you pull from the grid, the hotter it is, there's a lot of heat, you know, energy that can get wasted through the heat uh, elements. And then you have to have, you know, liquid cooling hoses and, and much more, um, uh, you know, beefier infrastructure to handle that. Do you have any comments about that?
1: Yes, absolutely. Cooling, uh, as you mentioned, is key. Uh, we already see uh, the charging stations that are, let's say, above 200 kilowatt are already being cooled. Uh, we need cooling that is not only the station, but mostly the cable. We need cooling on the connector. And of course, we need co- cooling in the chassis of the vehicle because, you know, we are charging very, very fast. And it gets, uh, I would say, at least 10, 20 degrees above, uh, you know, what it was before. And and you don't want it to get over 40 or 50 degrees. That's where it's getting dangerous. Uh, but the good news is that cooling is already being implemented, including in the vehicle. Mostly it's being used for the operation of the vehicle, not the charging. For discharging, let's say if you're in, in this ridiculous mode, uh, and then uh, uh, you're trying to, to really get to a hundred miles in a few seconds, uh, miles per hour, uh, then then it gets hot, uh, hot the same way. Uh, so we are actually leveraging on, on the fact that you have the high power discharge in the vehicle, uh, and you need cooling for that, and we are using the same system for the high power charge. Um, but you are right that the stations themselves uh, have issues and heat dissipation as a whole. I would say is a is a is a realm that uh, you know we have like three guys that are thermodynamics experts, and they do simulations and look at you know uh, how the heat is going to dissipate. You know at the beginning of the charging, at the end of the charging, uh, what are the safety concerns? Uh, as 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 we go through that. And, and this is why a collaboration with Daimler, for example, or with Vinfast, as we design what we call the EV fast charging platform, which is all those, those things that make sure that it's safe to charge in five minutes, the vehicle, because you have the driver sitting in there, right? So it has to be full, bulletproof. You cannot allow any, you know, fire, explosion, radiation, what have you, Everything needs to be fully protected to, to, to make sure the driver is safe. Uh, and, and, uh, and we are talking really very, very high power. I mean, humanity has never seen before applications where you have hundreds of kilowatt hours being pumped uh, into a, a, a device in minutes. This is all new. So we have to really proceed with caution uh, and this is why we're starting with, uh, you know, 10 minute charging and not the full vehicle, only to 80%, uh, you know, trying that it won't be empty. There are all kinds of, uh, you know, I would say, precaution measures that we take in order to uh, uh, gradually implement this vision of uh, five minute uh, charging of the vehicle.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned about the the heat, Alabans, and I know we talked about cold and dealing with that, but absolutely, heat is probably the worst of the two because um, I kind of allude heat to brain cells. You know, if a brain cell dies, it's gone; it's not coming back. Whereas other cells can regenerate and remultiply, and that's kind of what heat does to battery packs. Right, they can they can degrade fast if the heat isn't managed. So, so
1: it's, it's really, uh, it's something that you have to find the optimal operation point because mm-hmm. in some, I would say, uh, odd way, the, the beginning of the heat is actually good because the resistance goes down, ions are flowing faster and you can charge faster with actually less loss of heat because everything is already hot and it's like, you know, already boiling water. It's flowing. Uh, you get to a point where, like I said, around 45, 50 degrees Celsius You get to a point where you need to protect the battery uh, because some of the, uh, mostly the organic materials additives uh, that uh, we uh, implement in the electrolyte, they start to dissolve and kind of lose their uh, say elasticity if it's a polymer and all that. So, um, so we we are actually uh, looking for the optimal operation point to make sure that we do allow some heat, but when it gets to that point, we start activating the cooling. Uh, so, so we'll, we'll maintain, let's say, a 45 degrees max uh, during fast charging.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's key to that. Um, as you see this rolling out over time, um, and obviously, you know, there's going to be different models. I mean, companies going to come up with different formulas and their are different spins on it. But from, from Storedot's perspective, you know, you've got some interest. Um, obviously you mentioned cost before, and that's going to be the key, again, consumer adoption is you have to bring this in to a manner where a vehicle is not going to be a hundred thousand for an economy car because the sales cost so much. So how do you see the economies of scale rolling out? And, and what do you, do you have any sense of predictions of your um, uh, manufacturing output at some, you know, by the end of this decade, you know, how many gigawatt hours or, or that you may be pumping out on this? Yeah, so, so
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, in order to go through the investment rounds that we've gone through and we've raised over 200 million dollars in, in, in like four investment rounds. And, and every time we actually work in on the details of how we are going to roll out the technology, what will be the cost per gigawatt hour, what will be the cost per kilowatt hour in the vehicle and it all needs to make business sense. You know I'm an industrial engineer by by training. so I understand these excels very well. Uh, we, we are actually targeting for 2024, when we roll out, we are targeting 80 dollars eight per kilowatt hour uh, cost of the cells uh, in the vehicle. That's a U.S. dollar is, cost, yeah. U.S. dollar, yes, correct. Uh, and, uh, and this would continue to uh, decrease as we, like you said, scale up with the economies of scale, work very well. I mean, most of our uh, materials are similar to a traditional battery. The main difference is what we mentioned, the, the, the nano-silicon instead of the graphite. Now, today there are not uh, so many providers of uh, nano-silicon and some of it we process ourselves in order to make sure we have the quality and the purity and the right size of the particles and all that. But uh, with time, we uh, I believe, because we are not the only ones that are dealing with silicon, even Tesla is dealing with silicon. Uh, so there'll be more and more suppliers Silicon, by the way, is the second most abundant element on earth. Uh, so it's, it's, it should be cheap, but you need, uh, you need volume. So um, we'll continue to uh, reduce the cost about 7% year on year from 2024, uh, as we scale uh, through our joint venture in China with EV Energy. By the way, they are also a strategic uh, partner and an investor. Uh, uh it's a are like number five manufacturing uh, of uh, electric vehicle batteries in china uh, and and we are working together with them and and you you must have such partners in order to have the supply chain managed in a, i would say in a very cost effective way because just one element in the supply chain that you do not manage well can actually you know bump up the price to where it's no longer uh, viable as commercially. Oh. So, so yes, we, we we have the our hands on the pulse here uh, to make sure that we have the right cost. It is a challenge because we are building a new supply chain for some of the elements, not only the silicon, some of the organic compounds. this is like you would scale up uh, you know in pharmaceuticals. So you need some um, uh, chemistry synthesis, some companies that that know how to do volume of uh, of uh, let's say electrolyte or things like that. So so it's a bunch of elements that uh, you know our, our supply chain, Uh, guys are are already working on because we're already producing only samples but you still need the supply chain to work just for a thousand samples you need the supply chain uh so so we are already in this process uh uh, with the the eyes on the ball in terms of uh, cost down the road
0: and will you be um manufacturing your the, the full cells and modules yourselves or will you be outsourcing the full manufacturing uh, of those to the companies that are doing that today at scale with you with your uh, particular formulas and uh, uh, and patents and things like that
1: and so the the ultimate goal is that it will be a combined model of course I would like to produce my own batteries this is how you can make the best margins. However, uh, I don't have big factories. I mean, I have a small pilot line in Israel. It costs a lot of money
0: to build a big factory though, right? <laughs> it's, it's,
1: we are talking five to seven billion, yeah. like mm-hmm. a gigafactory, let's say in Texas uh, mm-hmm. of Tesla. Uh, so of course, you know, Stodot is, is not positioned to, to start uh, such activity, but uh, the joint ventures that we are building, such as the one in China, has some elements of what I call captive capacity. Captive capacity is is, is capacity that is dedicated to your technology and you own it. So you can secure it, let's say for Daimler. Uh, And then overflow of demand that we believe will be, uh, we'll go through some uh, licensing or how you call outsourcing, but this is a licensing model basically.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, Fascinating stuff. And and one of the, the final questions I wanted to ask is obviously what's becoming much more viable as a business and importance in the growing EV marketplace is the um, viability of recycling, of being able to not only recycle a high degree uh, of the battery cells and the packs and all those mechanisms, but also a lot of reclamation of those materials, right? Being able to strip those materials out, filter or do what's needed to bring them back to a state where you can insert them back into that supply chain. So, As an example, if we're still running a lot of cobalt in our formulas and we don't necessarily want to go and, and continue to mine that, uh, if we can get a lot of that through recycling and reclamation, that will make sense. Uh, do you see your type of solutions fitting into that model moving forward as well?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, in, in, in this sense, we are fully aligned with what Tesla is doing. Uh, that is uh, not only adding some silicon uh, to uh, add some uh, more cost-effective materials, and, and energy and fast charging and all that, but we are also taking out the cobalt uh, from the cathode side. Um, the silicon is on the anode side. The cobalt is on the cut. This is the positive element of the battery. Cobalt is uh, is a big problem for supply chain. You know, child labor. You know, Congo. All that. Uh, so in our formulation, we still have some uh, cobalt, but it's really you know I'd say five uh, percent of what uh, it used to be in the past. Um, but in terms of recycling you know we are great believers in recycling and we are trying to design uh, the battery in a way that it will be easy to recycle but to be honest uh, the, like you said the economies of scale is still not there and you know there's no i mean real operation for recycling that would would make sense before let's say there is at least 10% adoption of electric vehicles uh, and, and then you it will take several years because you'll start seeing those batteries going out of service and by the way, we design our batteries uh, for much longer life. We are currently hitting 1700 cycles of consecutive, consecutive extreme fast charging cycles, which is like a, almost two X of, of any other battery. So you wouldn't need to replace those batteries as often as, uh, as people thought, let's say um, every five, six years now. So it's more like for a 10 year thing. So it takes time uh, for the whole res- uh, circular economy to, to build up its its supply chain, but it's absolutely necessary. I hundred percent agree. Otherwise, you know what are we doing? We are building a clean environment for uh, you know our cities, but we pollute everything else with the batteries, right? So,
0: yeah, absolutely correct. And and your your great uh, statements there, because there's a lot of people. There's so many announcements of companies starting up, but we're it's still very much in its infancy. Because as you mentioned. There's not a lot of batteries being the need for recycling isn't there yet. Uh, You know, the numbers for plug-in sales in 2021 had just come out and we're not even at 10% adoption globally yet. I think it was almost just under 9%. So, you know, certainly moved up. You know, we doubled the the number of vehicles, plug-in vehicles sold globally last year, which is great. But, you know, we had a long way to go to, to carve into that 70 million you know, units a year, roughly a uh, light duty vehicle market space, never mind the commercial side and all the other elements of transportation. Absolutely, so that's, uh, I
1: think that's a decade away.
0: I agree with that. I mean, this whole transition is, is decades, a couple of decades, you know, where it's, you know, 20, 2040, 2050, by the time we really see, you know, a great number of EVs on the road, but we're making those steps and companies like yourselves are helping to get us there. Any final thoughts uh, that we might have missed covering on what you guys are doing?
1: So I think, you know, the vision of uh, fast charging, uh, again, that, uh, like we mentioned, was considered impossible, is actually, you know, forming shape uh, in front of our eyes. And this is so exciting for us here to see. I mean, you should see the excitement of the team that is actually making the impossible possible. And I invite uh, all Canadians all uh, you know, people over the world to come and visit our labs in Israel. Uh, this is really fascinating stuff.
0: Well, thank you for that. Yeah, if I if I get out to the Middle East, I will definitely try to arrange a time to come and see you guys because that that is fascinating stuff. And this is again, you know, a game changing type of technology leap that you know is, is going to take some time, folks, but is happening. You know, you heard it from Dr. Doran Meyersdorf. He's the CEO of Storedot, um, an Israel based company working on the five minute charge of your vehicle. The, you know that golden carrot that we're all used to. Uh, so I will continue to follow you guys and let's keep in touch. And then maybe we can circle back again, Doran, in some time, you know, uh, at the end of the year or to see how, how things are going. And The
1: new things every month. So, yeah, uh, let's stay in touch. Absolutely.
0: For sure. Fascinating stuff. Thank you very much again. I appreciate taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to myself and my viewers.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank very you. Pleasure.
0: Thanks again for listening, folks. You can email me if you have comments. Email at evrevolutionshow at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at evrevshow. I'm also on Instagram, evrevolutionshow. And if you uh, have any suggestions for shows, please let me know. Thanks again for listening, and please, everybody stay safe. And until the next time, I'll see you when I see you.